You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our Charity Post-Sermon Podcast. Uh, This is Pastor Tommy coming to you today. I have the honor and privilege of filling in for Pastor Marty as he is out of town right now. And today I have the man, the myth, and the legend, Fisher Fur, with me. What's up, Fisher? What is up? I don't know if I'm all those things, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. Well, your message this past week, uh, week two of Pastor's Choice, was phenomenal. The feedback has been uh, nonstop. So... Uh, the whole point of this post-sermon podcast is to just dive deeper, kind of get your thoughts behind uh, what God was saying to you, speaking to you while you were doing sermon prep. We'll kind of flesh that out. But I just want to reiterate right up front, uh, Marty and I have said this, and and I mean this, man. Week one, Jacob brought us a, a word, um, just being able to rest in God and Christ, um, coming to Him when we're weary and finding true rest. Last week, you brought an amazing word, which we're going to flesh out from Ephesians 2, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, but it is refreshing for Marty and I to see this next generation. Um, And I just want to tell you, like, it's an honor for me, for you and Jacob, Grant, all of y'all, you know, younger, in your 20s. I have no problem allowing y'all to speak into me, to watch somebody your age, because I know you're following Christ full on. I appreciate that. I think it's, I'll speak for all of us young guys on staff. It's an honor to be under people who care about us and want to give us opportunities to uh, speak on Sundays or lead ministries at such a young age. So we're honored to be here. Well, and what's so fascinating um, is how much of a grasp of scripture uh, you guys already have and, and your ability to communicate that uh, and make it practical. Um, I guess. So did you have a title to this message from this past Sunday? I didn't in my notes, but I think if anyone listened to it, they would just figure it was but God. But um, God, that's nothing, right. Nothing specific. So uh, what was the main thing that you were driving to? Because for me, the whole time I'm, I'm listening to you teach these truths, uh, all I could envision was this uh having the proper perspective of who we are, who God is, how that transformation happens. Kind of just walk us through what made you choose this text. Well, I chose this text because it's one of my favorite texts in the whole Bible. Um, This text actually means so much to me. It was a breakthrough uh, text. It's really one of the scriptures I got really used to um, make that but God moment in my life uh, in my junior year of high school. But um, what I was driving at was that but God moment of our life and living our life after that moment with that perspective of knowing who we were before Christ in that salvation moment, what God did for us in the midst of who we were and despite of who we were, and now how do we live our life after that? How does God want us to live knowing what he's done for us and living in that fact? So um, it was a breakthrough text in scripture, what God used in my life and uh, something I go to every day to preach the gospel to myself and remind myself. So, Well, let's kind of, you just kind of broke it down into three parts. Yeah. Your life before Christ, that moment of salvation, and then what that looks like moving forward. So we can just walk through that uh, natural progression. Um, and I thought you did something very interesting at the beginning of your message when you were talking about life before Christ 
and how the Apostle Paul set that up to the two different audiences that he was talking to. So kind of talk us through that. That was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting to me. It was something that I just uh, learned while studying the passage for Sunday. But Paul opening the text, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus is mainly Gentile believers. And he starts his sentence off saying in chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and obviously saying you to the Gentile believers in Ephesus. And the Gentiles, in our context, are the unchurched people. Right. The Gentiles are outside of the church. They didn't grow up um, as a Jew, so they didn't grow up knowing who God was, living how God called them to live, knowing or doing any of this stuff. So in our context, someone who didn't grow up in church, someone who doesn't have a lifestyle that looks like a Christian lifestyle, doesn't believe those things, or whatever it may be. But later, when Paul is talking about um, our life before Christ and that salvation moment, he says in verse 3, among whom we. And what really stood out when I was studying is I was like, well, how is Paul putting himself in that same category of a Gentile? Because he's not a Gentile. The more I dug into it, I saw or I learned that well, Paul is talking about the group he's from, which are with the Jews who mm. we know are the main people in the whole Old Testament and then in the New Testament. The Jews are God's people. Mm. And we see that Paul is saying, listen, the Jews, the church people, those who've always grown up in church, who know all the Bible, who memorize scripture, act like they have their life together or whatever it may be, are in the same group. It's the same size. The worst people in the world in the way that they act and the people who look squeaky clean, Paul puts them in the same camp and comes to the same conclusion. Before Christ, we were dead. And so that was just a... I I love how you said, and he puts them both in the same camp. And, you know, over the years, I've gotten to a place where, um, you know, everybody likes to hear a powerful testimony, right? From that, say, the non-church Gentile person. They were homeless. They were a drug addict. They were uh, prostituting themselves. They were doing whatever. And then, but God. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, man, that's so powerful. But the older I get, I realize that what Paul's really addressing is it's just as powerful when Christ reveals himself to the, right, the quote, the Jew, the church person, the kid who has grown up their entire life in church. They don't have that uh, rocky past, maybe, like some of those powerful testimonies. And even still, they come to the conclusion that they are in just as much of a need of a Savior as that person and it is just as powerful of a but god moment oh absolutely i think to me and my younger brother carson we have completely two different testimonies of mm. we had the same uh childhood growing growing up in church and everything but i lived that prodigal child life where i went on my own road and decided to make some bad decisions and then had that but god moment that the testimony video that i was talking about in the message gives us the god bumps and gives Mm -hmm. us emotional which i want to talk about that just for a second because uh i was telling you i love uh in the second service your mom and dad were in the auditorium listening and i thought this guy doesn't stand a chance and that came to fruition you didn't stand a chance when that was a perfect setup story and when you glanced over at your mom and dad man that emotion was raw all over again, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. I think it made it even more true. I was telling you earlier, it was writing the message. I was writing it and just thinking about that reality and how great my parents are, but even how greater God is. And 
uh, that emotion was that emotion was hard to control. Writing the message and then saying it in front of my parents was like, oh, I I don't stand well, a chance whatsoever. Well, neither did anybody in the auditorium. Just so you know, none of us stood a chance. It wrecked all <laughs> of us. But I think that if we were honest, we could all, you know, you set it up by asking the question: Have you ever received a gift you didn't deserve? Well, we probably don't have to think long. Uh, but then I love as great as the gift of the truck was when you were undeserving, you correctly said it pales in comparison to the greatest gift that none of us uh, ever deserve. So Paul uses two words, if you could flesh this out. So he's so clear in this passage, but he uses the word grace, which you talked about a lot in your message. And he also uses the word mercy, but God, right after but God, being rich in mercy. So kind of talk the audience about the difference between what is grace, what is mercy. Yeah, so grace, which is what Paul's driving point is, he makes a summary statement saying, you are saved by grace through faith. Um, and I gave the definition of grace in the message, and that is a, uh, when God gives us what we don't deserve, or it's a gift that we don't deserve. Um, mercy goes hand in hand with grace That's or right. hands in hand. Um, it's the God withholding a punishment from us that we do deserve. Um, grace is the gift of salvation that Paul's talking about. Mercy is Jesus with going through the punishment that we deserve and God withholding it from us. So kind of get them hand in hand. The gift is kind of the overarching That's right. grace that God's giving us, which holds this mercy. And he withholds what we do deserve. And right. you told us what we deserve in Romans. It says that sin has a penalty and that penalty is what? It's death. That's it's right. Death. And um, I kind of hit on it in the message as well, but thinking about Paul saying we were spiritually dead mm. and that reality of, Spiritually, we were dead, but I made the point, physically, we weren't. That's right. And our bodies were doing one thing, and they were really busy doing it, and it was sinning. Yeah, pursuing self. Right. It's pursuing the world, pursuing our flesh and what we wanted to do. Um, but that death that we deserve is not just spiritually death or spiritual death here on earth, but eternal death forever in, in hell. Mm. And uh, so— Jesus doesn't skimp out and just give us life here and say, all right, you can be spiritually alive for the next 50 years of your life. You can, he says, no, I, I am the life. I'm going to mm. give you life here and now for forever. So uh, a, lot, a lot of mercy there. Well, so now let's segue. So you've got uh, your life before Christ. All of us are dead and our trespasses, our sins and our trespasses against God. We're pursuing self. We're dead. Uh, but God, right, mercy withholds the penalty of that, uh, which is from our sin, which is death. He extends grace, which is the greatest undeserved gift we could ever have. We have that but God moment. Mm -hmm. Now, what do we do with that? Because I've heard a lot of people say that Christianity is a private faith. And you, one of the things I was so proud of you about is, man, you address that quite frankly, I think pernicious lie head on. Yeah. So is it a private faith? Is that something I keep to myself? I Absolutely not. Um, I made the the point, the our goal of this new life in Christ, I think you might have it written down so I don't botch it up, but um, the goal of this new life we have in Christ is to experience and exalt His grace. Um, I've actually been studying this a lot because I was when preparing for this and looking at all the ways Jesus talks about 
our life, our salvation. Jesus doesn't necessarily ever say, have a personal relationship with me. Now, our relationship with Jesus is the most personal thing that we have That's right. in this world, but it's also the most public relationship we should have in this world, That's right? True. From the way that we pray when the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? If all people know how to pray, it's Jesus, right? Yep. And he says, well, you start by saying, our Father. Amen. You I, know, I love that you brought that up because um, we're not only children in the context of right. you know, our relationship right. with yeah. God. We're not an only child, so we don't say... Hey, my daddy. Yeah. We say our, our father, plural, right? right? Our father. That's so everything from our personal spiritual disciplines of prayer and um, anything such as your time in the word, your fasting, whatever it is, to being at the church or your life at your work is your relationship with God on display. Um, well, and we're told time and time again, right, that that the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. What's the most loving thing we could ever do for somebody? Tell them the gospel. Tell point them the Point news. them to the truth. That's yeah. right. Help them. I, I love what you said. Help them experience that but God moment. And as, as brash as it might sound, helping open up somebody's spiritual eyes to the fact they are dead. They're dead. And and one of the conversations we have so often with people is, I'm a good person. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Scripture's clear on that, right? Even our righteous deeds in God's sight is what? Filthy rags. Yeah. So, and that's that's pretty dirty. It's, it's, a, it's a harsh reality we, when we think about telling it to somebody, yeah. we go, I don't know if I can tell someone that. But when you look back at your own life and you look back at that but God moment, um, if it was a relationship or a conversation with your grand grandparent or it was a Sunday morning or a student ministry event, whatever it was, when it clicked and you had that but God moment, you are beyond thankful for that person who said, yeah, you're dead. Mm. You know, you need a relationship with Jesus. You need grace. You need mercy. You can't work your way up the ladder. You know, you can't get to the ladder if there was one. But, and, but that is not the truth that so many people no. walk around believing. I think no. it's uh, the atheist Penn Teller, maybe. Yeah, I think you're Penn right. Penn Teller. Yeah, or Penn and Teller. Yeah. yeah. And he asked the question, which this is coming from an atheist. He said, but um, how much would a Christian have to hate somebody if you, if you really believe what you believe is really real and you refuse to share that good news with somebody, how much would you have to hate that person? And so, man, if... What a great question. We should be able to step in faith knowing you and I don't save anybody. Right. Christ is the one who saves them. So overcoming our fear of rejection, overcoming our fear of persecution or whatever it is. Right. I think that goes straight to the sign illustration yes. that I use. It's never holding up the sign that says, but I. Mm. If we do that, we are going to get scared of rejection. If we hold up a sign saying, but I, but I, but I. When people start questioning things in our life or start questioning what we believe, we go, man, I don't know if that's right. Or we get scared and don't want to answer it. But if it's not about us whatsoever, right. and we hold up the sign saying, man, I was dead. I was horrible wretch, which is a harsh reality to come to. But the good news is I'm holding up a sign that says, but God. Mm. And I don't have to worry that I have to fix my life up. I don't have to worry that I'm imperfect. I don't have to worry about all these things that come at me when sharing the good news. I'm just saying, 
man, this is the truth. You know, I've come to the reality. God's opened my eyes, and I'm holding up the sign saying, but God, right. not me, but God. This same Paul got to a place where he said he would boast in his weaknesses. Oh, right? yeah. And the, and the more that we grasp just what God did for us, the more we're able to boast, and we have no choice but to because the more we understand and grow in the gospel, the more wretched we really do see ourselves. In. Oh, absolutely. So Absolutely. But man, to help somebody else come to that same conclusion. I love you. You took that sign and you said, don't ever put this sign behind your back. Man, mm -hmm. just the, the, the way we, we speak it, the way we live it, it ought to be a megaphone to the rest of the world. It should be the most important thing that everyone knows about us, not just because of the way we act, but, but how vocal we are with the gospel, how vocal we are holding up a sign. It shouldn't just be yeah, we shouldn't hold it behind our back. It should be the billboard of our life. There yeah, should yeah. nobody should be able to have a conversation with us or know about us at work or live with us at our house and go, yeah, I guess they believe, whatever the context, you know, whatever it is, they they should know. Man, this 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 person is convinced of the good news and the gospel. So that's awesome. Well, is there anything that you meant to say on Sunday that you were driving home and you said, oh, I forgot to say that. If so, now's your chance. Um, the only thing that I didn't hit hit on was the verse four, the but God uh, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Usually in most Bibles, it has a footnote and you can read it and it says, or and, and God. So hmm. Paul could have said, uh, you were dead in your trespasses, so on, so on, so on, and God. Because of this, he, you know, whatever. But I love the but God because when I think yeah. about that, it it reminds me of a of a parent. You know, um, I think of my my own father who I've done I've messed up a ton of times sure. uh, for him, and many a times he doesn't say, "Hey, you really messed up and you did this, and I'm going to do this because I love you." But he says, "But despite it, that's right. But but you were like that, or but you did that. I still love you, and mm -hmm. I'm just going to do that." So. Um, I guess it's driving home that, but, you know, it's not God's in spite or because he has to yeah, do God, this. God is love. He is perfect right. love. And so that's right. one of the great reminders. I'm glad you brought that up is there's nothing we could ever do to make God love us anymore. There's nothing we could do to make God love us any less. He is love. Absolutely. And so, um, well, man, it was a fantastic uh, message. I think just that the title that you didn't give it, but you <laughs> did today on the podcast, but God is one that I think is going to resonate with people just driving down the road. Um, I agree with you. Those are two of the most powerful words in scripture when you truly understand the magnitude of them oh, and, yeah. and what happened. So uh, super proud of you. Uh, no doubt God used you uh, to proclaim his word and people are going to experience life change through that. Uh, just to give a teaser for this upcoming week, we are going to be in week three of Pastor's Choice, and I am going to uh, be bringing the word to you. This is Pastor Tommy, and I am going to try to tackle and address what, in my personal opinion, have to be the scariest verses in Scripture found in Matthew chapter 7, but then we're going to segue from that, and we're going to find amazing assurance. Um, and so assurance of our faith. So 
Hopefully you can be here. If not, join us online. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in to our post-podcast, uh, post-sermon podcast. And Fisher, had a blast doing it with you, my man. It was awesome. I'm glad to be here. Awesome, brother.